1: Hello, marketers, and welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Searchmetrics. Searchmetrics sets the standard for innovation in the content and search engine optimization industries. They support businesses who care about understanding both how to use content as a marketing channel and how to improve their organic ranking in Google. If you're an enterprise-level marketer, the Searchmetrics suite of software and services will help you optimize your existing content, understand what topics you need to cover next, and how to ensure that your writers produce effective content. There are billions of Google searches happening every day. Search Metrics gets your stories to the top. Okay, today we're going to finish up our conversation with Mike Gunderson, who is the president of the creatively named direct mail service Gunderson Direct. Mike and his company have provided direct mail services to startups, SMBs, and enterprise-scale technology companies like SoFi, Postmates, and Square. In our last episode, Mike walked us through an overview of the direct mail industry and how he ended up running a direct mail agency. If you missed that episode, I highly recommend that you give it a listen. That said, in this episode, Mike is going to walk us through some best practices that you can apply if you're thinking about testing direct mail as a marketing channel and explains how his company provides and evaluates the services they provide to their customers. Here's the second part of our interview with Mike Gunderson. Okay, so Mike, welcome back. It's uh, great to have you here again. In our last conversation, we talked a little bit about targeting. But what I'd like to understand from you is outside of understanding the triggers and events where you can send direct mail, what are some of the best ways to get your mail to the right person with the right message in the right format?
2: Well, first, thanks again, Ben, for having me back. I think that that's a very complex question, but I think it's really kind of understanding what our customers' goals are, really understanding who those audiences are or who they might be, and then making sure that we do our job and making sure that that targeting is on point so that those offers, that creative, that product is relevant for that particular individual.
1: So when a new customer comes into you and they haven't used direct mail, what's the process that you apply to educate them on best practices?
2: I think one of the biggest things is when we put together a proposal for a client, sometimes there's a little bit of a sticker shock there. They often want to come in at a $5,000 or $10,000 buy-in to try to figure out if it works. And then, of course, they're always like, well, then we'll scale however much it takes. But in our experience, when we bring on new customers, we really need them to think a little bit bigger when dipping their toe into the direct mill waters because it is quite a bit of a science to really figure out who those customers are and how they're going to respond to different products, to different services, to different messages, offers, and formats. It's really, really important that we test and we aggressively test during the first couple of drops of their campaign. What we try to get folks to think about is let's try to think about a 50,000 to 100,000 quantity test audience to start. That allows us to put in some testing around targeting lists and targeting around offers and around formats so that we can get a read on what that campaign is doing and be able to start rolling that out at a much higher and more efficient quantity in order for them to get the most out of their direct marketing campaign.
1: It's a logical benchmark. When I think about digital advertising, which is you know something that I'm a little bit more familiar with, when somebody asks me, how do I get started with Facebook advertising or with AdWords, you can start getting data for pennies on the dollar. The issue is to get enough data to really be able to make conclusions about whether a channel works or not. You need tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of impressions. And that goes with your channel as well.
2: That's correct. And in fact, what we're trying to do is educate our clients as much as possible. If a client comes to me and says, hey, I have a CAC or a CPA of $50, quite frankly, that's probably not going to be a good use of direct mail marketing dollars. Knowing that we're only going to get about a half percent to a 1% on prospect mail. And depending on how great your product is, how good your offer is, and how good your targeting is, being able to convert 20, 30, 50, 60% of those customers. That's a lot of money to spend in order to try to get a CAC of under, say, 50 bucks. So we put together an ROI calculator on our website, and it sounds fairly simple, but it has actually helped inform our clients or prospects to becoming clients at Gunderson Direct early on. And it's been very helpful to kind of say, hey, is this a yay or a nay on direct mail? Is this something that I can actually start, grow, and scale? And if so, can Gunderson Direct help me get there? So we just try to get our clients focused on higher budget amounts at the beginning. And I can tell you that the ones that do that and the ones that we optimize for and the ones that we have better success with will then scale those campaigns considerably over the course of three, six, nine, 12 months.
1: So what's the reason why the entry point for direct mail is higher than, say, a digital channel?
2: I'd say the biggest reason is production. So printing on paper and postage, even at scale, whether I'm doing 20,000 or whether I'm doing 2 million, postage is gonna run between 22 cents and 28 cents. And it doesn't really fluctuate beyond that too much. There's things like saturation mail, There's EDDM, every door direct mail, that can be a lot less expensive to mail, but that's more of using a spray and pray method, and it doesn't allow for the kind of targeting and the type of analysis that you're going to want to perform on that direct mail later. So if you're doing pure prospecting, USPS pre-sort standard is the way we want to go, and that's going to run you anywhere between $0.22 and $0.28.
1: So essentially, every piece is direct mail. You have to pay for the stamp. There's no getting around that. And then your production costs, sounds like those go down at scale to the point where it makes more sense.
2: Well, and that's the other reason where like if I can even get twenty dollars or $30,000 more, so say the client says, hey, I got a $20,000 budget. If I can bump that to $30,000, I can actually get quite a bit more mail out the door for that money because my agency services go way down, right? At the end of the day, the more quantity you have, the less the cost per piece on agency services to create a fees is going to be. And then if we can scale and bulk that up a little bit, we're going to get way more efficient when it comes to production. And that enables us to then drop the cost per piece down for the production aspect of the campaign. The only one, again, that doesn't really see a reduction is that postage cost. And that will always be immutable. And it'll always stay the same as we start to scale the program.
1: You got to pay for the stamp. But the more creative you produce, the less expensive it gets per piece on the agency side and on the production side. So talk to me about the best practices for creative production and for the format of direct mail. What's the difference between sending somebody an enveloped letter and a postcard?
2: I think that's a great question. And we get it a lot. I would say that on a postcard, what works the best is affinity to say that merchant or that business so say if you've shopped at a retailer in the last three or four months and you've received a postcard with a 20% discount on similar items that you bought, that's a really great vehicle. Visually, that's stunning. It gets your attention in the mailbox. It's something that you can easily pull out and bring to a retailer later or redeem online. A postcard works really well in that aspect. But where it becomes a little bit more difficult is when you have no relationship with a customer and you maybe don't have a sexy, shiny object to show on the outside of an envelope. And that's where we find that stealth or blind envelopes work really, really well. It's not really meant to trick a consumer into opening the envelope, although there is a little bit of deception there and it does get that consumer to open the envelope and find out what's inside. Our goal is if we do end up going with a stealth or blind envelope in order to get that customer to open it, that making sure that that message is relevant to them, making sure that the copy and the visuals catch their attention and get them to read more throughout the piece. And at the end of the day, make sure that those call to actions are as strong as possible to drive them sooner and convert them sooner so that we can see higher ROIs a lot faster versus other channels.
1: So if you're marketing to a customer that you already have a relationship with or a lead that you already have a relationship, big product imagery, remind them of how big and beautiful your brand is. And if you're doing lead acquisition or reaching out to someone new, the element of mystery helps create that initial impression.
2: Yeah, I think that that's a good call. One thing that I would say about pure acquisition mail though, is if you have a widget or you have something that's really targeted A good example is maybe somebody who has a little bit lower than normal FICO score and they are looking to get into a credit product or some sort of debt consolidation or something like that. That is something that you could actually put on the outside of the envelope and get them to take action. Credit card mailers at 0% consolidate. These types of messages are still very popular in the mail, especially if you have more detailed data about those prospects.
1: So essentially, there's a call and answer effect when you know you're very targeted to someone that has a specific problem.
2: That's right. I always say if we're going to do anything promotional in the envelope, it's got to have just a kick ass offer, something that's really going to entice them to take action, or it's going to be so perfectly targeted to somebody's need to solve that problem that then will also be a really good candidate for a promotional envelope. Other than that, we try to stay with a lot of the B2B that we do because we have to get through the gatekeeper. With that, we just try to stay a little bit more official, try to get it to the right people, get them to open it, and again, try to have relevant messaging to get them to take action.
1: So talk to me about the evaluation component. How do people measure the ROI of these campaigns?
2: I think that's an important question. And channel attribution is a really, really important topic. Many of my marketers right now are finding fairly large challenges in really figuring out that channel attribution, what those attribution models might look like. So we really try to push our clients into figuring out the best ways to measure their direct mail campaigns right at the very, very start. That could be everything from like a drop-down box on a lead gen form that says, how did you hear about us, to unique offer codes that actually tie back to the actual unique record that we mailed, to even just generic offer codes, vanity URLs, and pearls, which are personal URLs. All of these can help tie the attribution back to the direct mail campaign and be able to then see if the direct mail was successful the main way that we actually match back consumers to the direct mail program is a matchback analysis report. And that's where we take the backend file that we mailed, and then we bump that up against all the leads and all the conversions that they may have seen during the promotional period. And then once we do that, we match it back. We're able then to match it based on what packages they mailed, what offers they mailed, what audiences they mailed. And then we're able to then provide an analysis back to them so they can make informed decisions on how to roll out or adjust their next mailing.
1: So what you're saying is there is the ability to measure direct response because you're using unique tracking codes or URLs, but there's also the ability for you to look at the entire universe of people that you mailed and count the conversions. Are you doing A-B testing where you're taking people that haven't been exposed to direct mail to try to understand Lyft?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We do holdout testing for a lot of our clients. And essentially, that's just holding out a certain part of that audience that didn't get mail. And then if there's leads or conversions that come in during that same period, we're able to see what the direct mail lift is over that holdout cell. And that is actually kind of a great comment. And that actually works really, really well. So with fairly close accuracy, we're able to see the attribution of direct mail and the effectiveness of each of those packages individually.
1: So let me ask you about your conversion metrics and some benchmarks. What are some numbers that somebody who's new to direct mail can think about when they're evaluating the channel in terms of what they might expect from a campaign?
2: I would say that here at Gunnerson Direct, what we're really responsible is that response rate. And many clients really go straight to conversion, and that's kind of their main metric that they really want to take a look at. But what we're responsible for is response rate. And so I would say that generally for response rates in both the B2C and the B2B industry range between about a half percent to one percent in prospect mail and about one percent to three percent in house mail or affinity or customer mail. So because of that relationship to that company, consumers have more trust and they have a relationship and therefore respond and convert at a higher rate.
1: Got it. So basically, if you're reaching out to somebody you don't have a relationship with, or isn't aware of your brand, half a percent to one percent to engage them, get them to a lead form, get them to raise their hand. And then if you're targeting someone that you already have a relationship, you're looking at a one to three percent response rate. That's correct. Okay.
2: But we have seen in prospect mail, higher response rates. A good example is when we built and started the Square program, they were essentially giving away a free credit card reader. And that was the ask. That was a direct mail piece that went to a small business owner and said, hey, We're going to give you this free credit card reader. All you have to do is go online and download the app and we're going to send it to you. That had very, very high response rates and had very, very high conversion rates in getting people to download the app and then receiving the credit card reader where there was some hurt on that is usage, right? So once everybody got it, they thought it was cool, but then maybe they didn't use it or maybe the transaction or the interchange rate was too expensive or whatever the reason might be for them not to continue using it long-term. We as an agency don't have any control over that. Our only control is to be able to drive people there, get them to take action, and then the company to put them in their sales funnel and nurture them throughout
1: that's more of a product of the offer, being we're going to give you something of value for free, and everyone claims it and then realizes that they don't need the tool, less about the direct mail piece. So, what are some other best practices or things that people need to think about when they're considering testing best mail against some of their other channel possibilities?
2: Well, one of the great things about direct mail is that we can actually refine the targeting to get that mail to a specific household or specific person within that household. So if you're trying to build awareness around a product or service, sending a direct mail piece to a relevant prospect is pretty much the best it's going to get. Pay-per-click is awesome because people are looking for you. But with direct mail, you're really trying to find people or get them to know about your product or service. So we find it to be very, very effective to really refine that targeting, that messaging and that offer strategy to get the mail to the people that are going to be the decision makers and get them to take action.
1: So talk to me a little bit about your company. What is Gunderson Direct's approach? Why are you different than some of the other direct mail options that are out there?
2: One of the things that makes us unique is that we're solely focused on direct mail marketing. I think that there's agencies out there that do direct mail, and I think there's a lot that would probably do a decent job at it. But because that's our focus, and we're constantly refining and coming up with new ways to reach people, We've really become a leader in direct mail advertising, and people are calling us for that reason. We've built a lot of relationships with a lot of different companies and a lot of different marketers over the years. So when they are looking to move jobs or if they're looking to increase sales or conversions within their companies, they start to look at the direct mail channel as being something that's viable for them to meet and exceed those goals.
1: So if I had to summarize, you specialize in direct mail and that makes you unique. And then on top of that, you have the technical capabilities and all of the targeting criteria that some of the digital ad platforms have as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's true. And the other thing is, is we notice when folks are going to kind of get into direct mail, they often want to have their in-house creative teams develop it or they have their printer develop it. And I think it's important to note that, again, we started as a creative agency that then eventually rolled out data and production services and mail services, whereas a lot of the people doing direct mail creative now are production houses or printing companies that have said, hey, we should maybe start to offer creative services to try to get more printing. And at the end of the day, they're just not really that great at direct response. So I think from building a company from the ground up, really focus on direct mail and more importantly, response, I think you're getting a leg up when you're hiring an agency like ours and you're investing the kind of dollars it takes to really do a meaningful test by having that knowledge and that expertise um, already on your side so that you're not falling into the pitfalls or the mistakes that you might encounter early on.
1: So talk to me about your goals for the company. It sounds like you've established a great specialized agency focusing on direct mail. You've built on top of your core competence of design, all of the targeting capabilities. What's next for you?
2: One of the cool things about direct mail now that wasn't really there four years ago is I don't get these weird kind of questioned looks, like direct mail, I don't get it. When I speak about direct mail or when I'm at different entrepreneur groups or if I'm at different conferences, I've mentioned direct mail. People are like, oh yeah, that's interesting. You know, I was actually thinking about doing something like that for our company. So it's been a lot easier to sell direct mail to my clients and the solutions of direct mail to my clients in the last two years than it really has been in the last 10 years. So for the goals for this company is we really want to continue that awareness around the effectiveness of direct mail, continue to make direct mail a top marketing channel for our clients. Of course, just from running a company perspective, I want to make sure that we foster a fantastic work environment for our employees and make sure that they also understand the value that we're bringing to our clients and then continue to grow our company at a really steady pace and not lose sight of what's most important, which is getting response for our clients.
1: I think the last question I'll ask you, and we ask this to everyone who's on the podcast, what are some of the skills and lessons that you've learned that you'd like to pass on to people that are relatively new in marketing or junior in their career?
2: Just from a career perspective, I found working for a large corporation invaluable. In the small amount of time that I was both at Chevron and at Providian Financial, The mentors that I had and the people that I met have carried my career for many years after. I still get calls from folks from that fraternity, from Providian, looking to start a direct mail program at the new company that they're at. So I think that that's really invaluable to really build that core early on and to be able to tap that network long term. I think from a direct mail perspective, some of my advice would be, don't diss it till you tried it. It's so easy to say, oh, direct mail, it's old school, nobody's doing that. But the numbers and the data don't lie. I mean, it is a top performing channel for many of my customers. And if you take a look at GundersonDirect.com, you'll see that we have quite a few clients listed there. And these are large, very successful companies that have embraced direct mail marketing as a lead acquisition channel for their marketing. One other piece of advice i would say is definitely make sure you have budget to test into this channel effectively. I think an average budget that marketers should really consider is between $50 and $100,000. I think that might sound like a lot to a few folks out there, but that's a really realistic budget to get the kind of analysis that you need in order to make long-term decisions.
1: So it sounds like obviously networking is important. Being at a big company gives you the opportunity to do that. Direct Mail is a channel that's been a top performer for some big companies and small like, but the budgets to get started are relatively high, 50 to 100 grand. Before we let you go, anyone you're looking to meet, uh, how can people get in touch with you? Anything we can help you promote?
2: I would just say when considering direct mail program, think about Gunderson Direct to do that. We are the leaders. We've been doing this for over 15 years, and we can definitely help you out. And I did mention an ROI calculator early on. You can email me directly at mike at gundir, G-U-N-D-I-R dot com, and I will send you the link to that ROI calculator, and you can see if direct mail will be effective for your marketing dollar.
1: Great. Mike Gunderson, Gunderson Direct, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
2: Hey, thanks a lot,
1: Ben. I appreciate it. Okay. That wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Mike Gunderson for joining us. If you're interested in learning more about Mike and Gunderson Direct, go to gundersondirect.com. A special thanks to Searchmetrics for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking to grow your online presence, go to searchmetrics.com to request a free tour of their platform. If you'd like to read the transcript of this podcast, we've published it on our website, martechpod.com. If you're already a subscriber to the Martech podcast, thank you. We want you to feel like a member of our community. So if you have any questions or comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, feel free to reach out to me directly at podcast at benjshap.com. Or you could reach us on LinkedIn or Twitter. Our handle is at LLC. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up for you in the next few weeks. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. Okay, that's all for today. Thanks again to Mike Gunderson. And until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.